Hello and welcome to the Circuit Python Weekly Meeting for October fourteenth, twenty nineteen. I'm Scott, and uh, I'm one of the folks paid by Adafruit to work full time on Circuit Python. Circuit Python is embedded Python, so it's a really easy to learn programming language that runs on low cost electronics. Um, we do this meeting every week, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server. If you'd like to join the Discord server, you can join the Discord server and chat with us all during the week uh, by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Um, that is, uh, yeah, so we're in the text chat for that usually, and then we have this voice chat during the week on uh, or during our meeting time on Mondays. Everybody is welcome to attend. You can uh, either just listen in and let us know you're lurking or participate. Uh, we have some sections uh, where people speak up and let us know what they're working on. Uh, speaking of sections, the meeting is run in five parts. The first part is community news. Uh, this is where Phil from Adafruit fills us in on all of the things that are happening within the community uh, in terms of projects and news and all that stuff. Um, is a preview of the uh, newsletter. So uh, we'll start with that first. And then after that, we do uh, state of CircuitPython on the libraries, which is like an objective statistics view of how the project's going, kind of to ground ourselves in. Uh, after that, we do hug reports, which is <laughs> um, hug reports is a chance to say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing within the CircuitPython co community. Uh, we do it as a round robin. So uh, we do a, uh, I will start and then we'll go through the folks who are in the voice channel and give them a chance to let us know what they're working on or what uh, hug reports they have for other folks are. Um, so if you uh, don't want to participate in that at all, you can say you're lurking. Uh, if you're unable to make the meeting but do have some hug reports to say, you can put them in the notes doc and the, we'll, we'll read them off. Uh, if you don't have a microphone or choose not to speak, um, you can say that you're text only in the notes and we'll read those off for you as well. Otherwise, we'll call on you and, and you unmute your mic and let us know what's going on. Um, that reminds me to say that we are recording. Uh, we record both, both the voice channel and the text channel. So beware that that will go up on the uh, Adafruit YouTube channel along with uh, out to our podcast feeds as well. Um, so that's hug reports. The next section after that is uh, is status updates, which is take a couple minutes to tell us what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. Um, and same rules apply. It's a round robin and let us know if you're lurking, that sort of thing. Um, and then lastly, we have an in the weeds section, which is kind of like any large or topics or questions that we want to debate um, go in the in the weeds. So during the meeting, if you have ideas for that, uh, please open the notes and jot those down in the in the weeds section, and we'll go through the folks there. Um, so yeah, that's how the meetings run. Uh, and again, it's recorded, and and all of the like back catalog is available on YouTube. Uh, there's a playlist for it. So check those out if you like to pay attention to what's going on. So uh, with that, let's kick it over to Phil for community news. All right, thank you, Scott. First up, um, can everyone hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. It is Open Source Hardware Month, and we're doing a post a day. Um, back in the day when I started Hackaday, I did the same thing, post a day, and that turned into that. But this is just one month 
open hardware month and topics include the first Adafruit orders. And then we calculated how many orders since we started have we been shipping per hour for the last 15 years. Turns out it's uh, 17 orders per hour, 24-7, 365 for the last 15 years, um, or about 400 orders a day. Um, we also have photos of some early open source hardware, some presentations about uh, when there was only a few open source hardware companies all the way back in 2010. The original meeting at iBeam where the open source hardware definition was formed and later turned into what is now the open source hardware certification. Um, some early gift guides that had just a very small number of open source hardware products. Now it'd be impossible to do those because there's tens of thousands. I think there's hundreds of thousands, but I said tens of thousands. And then um, spotlighting some of the people and hardware that got us here all the way back to uh, the Chumbi, which was uh, when we first saw that we thought it was going to go to Linux and Python, and specifically Python. And that was before the iPhone, before Echo Show, and all these things that we have now. And even before the Raspberry Pi, Bunny made the Chumbi, which is a really cool open source hardware project. And then later on, the Chumbi Hacker Board. And things also like the TV Be Gone and more. So we're doing a post a day. Um, check them out. And I put the link in the chat. Next up, MicroPython slithers its way to Feather. We have MicroPython running on our STM32 Feather. Watch a little video. We did it. The pull request came, went in. Um, hug report Damien for adding that, merging it more. I want to try that out. It's super fun. And then we have scanning and advertising with CircuitPython. And Scott's been putting videos up on Twitter. And then I, I took them and I made them into a YouTube video so you could uh, check it all out at once. And this is neat because wherever you move the Circuit Playground Express Bluefruit, you can do things like have it change color based on how close it is to another one and does this neat uh, broadcast and advertising. You don't even need to pair them. So it's kind of cool. And then speaking of Scott, uh, Scott will be at Supercon. So if you want to learn all about how to supercharge your hardware, old, new, CircuitPython. And I think today is the Game Boy 30th anniversary um, so kind of timely if you're interested in getting CircuitPython on all old retro hardware. There'll be a session on that at Supercon, and also Adafruit will have some people there, and we'll have some hardware there as well. Special thanks to DigiKey who's helping us out, getting some hardware for all attendees. Next up, uh, PyCon Berlin and the PyLadies event happened. We published the photos on our upcoming newsletter. And then Christine from MicroPython um, added some photos from the workshop that they had. So check that out. We were a sponsor of PyLadies Hamburg. So you can see some of the things they did with the hardware that we sent along and more. Then um, going around the world right now, in India, there is the interactive circuit Python poster from Code and Solder. And this is neat because the poster itself is a project. So you can um, look at what circuit Python is, and the poster itself is running CircuitPython. So really cool project. Um, we helped them out with this. And uh, check out the tweets. And then they have a article that they're going to be publishing shortly. So if you want to make your own CircuitPython poster, you'll be able to do that. Um, GitHub has this neat thing. Uh, at least I think it's neat for now. So sometimes developers on an open source project are like, if I could just pay for my costs or if I could just pay for the server, you know, I could do a lot more. And sometimes we'll use Patreon, sometimes we'll try other things, but GitHub just uh, allowed people to apply for sponsorship. And Arturo, who does a bunch of 
CircuitPython hardware and more applied, got it. So uh, you could sponsor it, or if you like that cool BlackBerry-looking CircuitPython keyboard phone-like device and you want to um, support someone, we did it right away. So I put a link here in the chat and more. Um, it'll be neat. We'll see what happens. Um, there's a lot of open source projects that if they just had a little bit of funding, they could keep it going. And I think uh, we all say thank you, but sometimes it's nice to also toss people a buck or two. The string car, um, I think Seagrover is in the chat. So congratulations, you're getting closer to having your board. And uh, this is for everyone. If you need a VID PID, just let us know. You can look at this pull request that Seagrover did, and it's that easy. Just let us know you need one, and we'll do one, and then you can get your board in. And it'll show up in the, the download section and more. And then uh, another person's here in the chat. I think Thea's here. Congratulations on your first driver for the analog devices, AD, 56, 89, 16-bit 16 DAC. Link to that in the newsletter and also here in the chat. We're seeing lots of people doing drivers, so I want to give some shout outs for that. Then uh, speaking of Catalina, so um, does it break Moo? Not really. So Scott, congratulations. You can you can use Moo. You can't use other stuff, but you can use Moo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that going. Um, yep. So it looks like there might be like one issue with the different modes, but uh, for the most part, it works. And then also in the newsletter, there's um, a, not a well-publicized link to the daily builds, but I have that in the newsletter if you want to use the alpha of Moo. And it's not alpha like not work. It's just alpha isn't like, it still passes Tesla stuff, but it's not exactly, it's not the the, the, the version on code with Moo. So if you want to check it out, it's in the newsletter. And then uh, I'll get the word out more on this. Uh, we're going to be, at PyCon, but uh, the PyCon blog has a newsletter. And when I see stuff, I'll put it in our newsletter on our site. But they have an opening for financial aid. So if you want to apply or you know someone who wants to go and they want to apply for financial aid for transportation, hotel, childcare, as well as discounted or waived registrations, you can do that. And all of this stuff and more for the entire community. There's so much stuff, um, but this is just some of the highlights this week is in the newsletter. It'll be going out tomorrow at 11 a.m.-ish. And that is the community news. Awesome. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you. Uh, thanks for filling us in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Uh, OK, uh, State of Circuit Python and the libraries. This is a chance for us to take like a more objective view, statistics view of the health of the project. Um, and it gives us an idea of you know, how many people are involved and what, what activity is actually going on. So uh, overall, we had 40 pull requests merged, which is awesome. Uh, some new folks in this list, uh, Magnus VMT, uh, D Harada is kind of off and on. Thea Codes is new in this list, so uh, shout out to Thea. Devo747, CamTom480, uh, Sex Supernova, uh, Cogliano, uh, Kickbutts <laughs> uh, are all new, so thank you everyone there. Um, and thanks to all of the other folks that are regulars. We appreciate you all, all 17 authors. Uh, we had 11 reviewers, which is one of our high points as well, I think. So thanks to all of our reviewers. Um, reviewing is a great way to get started. Just drop, like, if you see a change to a library you've used, give the new code a try drop a note and say like, hey, this worked for me. It looks all good. Um, so issues wise, we had uh, 20 closed issues by 11 people and 14 open by 11 people. So we are net down six, which is awesome. Um, and overall, I would say 
uh, we're still chugging along with uh, Bluetooth stuff, but uh, making some progress there. The library side of things is just growing and growing and growing. And like Phil said, uh, we're having more and more people involved. So that's like a direct result of the work that Summersoft and Katni and Maker Melissa have all put into um, the library side and the October, October Hacktoberfest stuff. So thanks to them. Uh, and we're going to keep just rolling. Uh, welcome to all the new folks, and we're happy to have you here. Um, keep an eye out. think more exciting things will happen in the future. Uh, so core-wise, um, we had eight pull requests merged from five different authors. Uh, Kickbutts and Camton480 are new in that list. And we have four reviewers, uh, myself, Dan, Hireffect, and Lady Ada. So thank you to Hireffect for being on the review side now. Uh, excited to get another reviewer on the core. Uh, that's super cool. Uh, we have 11 open pull requests, and uh, two of those have, have been open zero days, so they're hot off the press. Um, Issues-wise, we have four closed issues by four people and five opened by five people. Um, and we have zero... Uh, so we're net down one issue. We actually have more issues for the core than we do for all the libraries combined. So <laughs> good job to the libraries, folks. Um, and uh, most of most of the CircuitPython issues are marked long-term, 153 are. So those are the ones that are kind of like threads to pull at some point when we have time. Uh, but for now, uh, they're, they're OK. Um, we have so uh, a total of 194 open issues, and none of them have Hacktoberfest labels. So if folks know of uh, easier core issues that people can get started with, please add the Hacktoberfest and the good first issue labels uh, so that uh, we can get folks working on the core as well as the libraries. Um, and we also have uh, 16 issues not assigned to Milestone, so uh, we should take a look at those and, and get those assigned. Um, Downloads-wise, our stable release is 4.1.0, and our unstable is still 5.0 alpha 4. Uh, we've had a total of 12,642 stable downloads and 2,753 unstable downloads. Uh, the note stock also has a breakdown by language. So if you're curious about which languages are being downloaded, how often, uh, please take a look in the notes. With that, I'll hand it over to Katni for the state of libraries. Thanks, Scott. So in terms of the libraries, we had 32 pull requests merged um, with uh, at least three of the four or five of the new people that you mentioned. Um, submitting uh, and authoring some of those pull requests. I know some of that stuff is uh, coming in from Hacktoberfest, but some of it is also coming in from other things, including uh, two new libraries, which is fantastic. We had nine reviewers, which is also amazing. So thank you to everybody who's involved on both sides of that. We currently have 33 open pull requests across all the libraries. There are I would say six that are open within the past 10 days or so. Everything else is older than that. Um, and in terms of issues, we had 16 closed issues by nine people and nine open by seven people. So we are net down. Also, we did create one new um, issue for Hacktoberfest, which is good. So we have 145 open issues. And there is a link in the notes to circuitpython.org slash libraries slash contributing, which is now updating on a daily basis. So if you're interested in uh, helping out, getting started, reviewing, uh, submitting issues, that sort of thing, 
Um, all of that stuff is contained in on a page on circuitpython.org now that uh, will be continuously updated. So um, if you want to start contributing, that would be the place to go because we have everything listed, including a series of uh, library infrastructure issues, which are um, basic things that don't fit the way that we try to standardize how we do the libraries, and um, those things need to be fixed up. The, there's a series of very easy, good first issues that are currently labeled Hacktoberfest that I um, intend, obviously, for uh, people who are coming in and want to start contributing uh, to do. But uh, once that is, um, once Hacktoberfest is over, uh, feel free to pick any of those up um, if you were holding off for other people. Um, so we had a number of updated libraries in the last seven days, no uh, new ones listed. They are um, listed once they are put in the bundle. So if you submitted a new library and it's not listed in the notes, that's why. Um, it's probably not in the bundle yet. And uh, that is where we are at with libraries. Awesome. Thank you so, so much, Katni. All right. Next up is Hug Reports. This is a chance for everyone to give thanks to other folks um, on this Canadian Thanksgiving, uh, although we do it every week. Um, so give a shout out to folks for being awesome within our uh, CircuitPython community. community. And uh, it's a great way to highlight you know, the things that we value as a community. So uh, we do it every week. Um, this is done as a round robin. So uh, if you're in the voice channel and you just want to listen in uh, and you haven't told us you're lurking, just let us know you're lurking. Um, if you don't remember, you can always check the notes doc. We have notes there, who's lurking, who's not. Um, if you don't have a microphone, uh, but have some notes or uh, just let us know you're text only and I will read those off there. And then lastly, um, if you want to fully participate, uh, I will call on you in order of alphabetical plus the folks that have notes in the doc. So uh, the source of truth here on the order is the notes doc. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll get started. Uh, I have three. Uh, oh, no, I wanted to add a fourth one. So I'm going to have four. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, uh, just a huge shout out to Thea for uh, helping with issues, helping on the Discord. Uh, just generally participating and being very active. Happy to see you here. Um, so welcome and and hope you uh, continue to contribute. Uh, thank you to Christine from MicroPython for uh, contributing to the newsletter. Um, we've really focused on keeping the newsletter creation open in, done in the open uh, through our GitHub repo repository. And uh, most of the, like, the vast majority of the work is done by Phil. So I just want to like shout out anybody who really helps with that and puts articles into the newsletter. So if you're if you're a writer, if you like human human speak, um, and you know you see things that happen in the CircuitPython community, we're always looking for more contributions to the newsletter. So uh, thank you to Christine from the MicroPython community for filling us in on the PyLadies uh, Hamburg stuff. I think. Um, I also want to just give Devo a shout out, uh, just seeing Devo participating in a lot of things, testing uh, issues, helping folks on Discord and creating PRs as well. So thank you to Devo. And then the last uh, person I just want to say, uh, again, a thank you to Katni for bailing me out. Um, I upgraded to Catalina and OBS got upgraded and stuff. So I wasn't able to actually record the meeting 
on my computer, even though it's my week to do that. So uh, thank you to Katni for uh, having my back and not upgrading to Catalina at the same time I did. Um, so thanks to Katni. And with that, let's go to Thea. Yeah, uh, just a group hug to everyone for being a super awesome community. Like, I've been here for a week, and y'all are awesome. So <laughs> thanks for that. Um, and also to Lady Adia for giving me a USB VID in, like, two minutes. <laughs> she literally did that and closed the issue in two minutes. That's amazing. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Lady is quick. Awesome. Thanks, Thea. Okay, let's circle back to Brent. Yep. Um, I'll report to Jerry for testing, testing, and testing the new firmware binary on almost every IoT platform we have. Uh, it was super useful for me to make sure I didn't break anything. Uh, Mohit, uh, who is Virgil Bob's on Twitter, he's an Amazon AWS developer, and he did a lot of his policy setup. He's freaking out, and everything was working, which is good. Um, Scott for his work. I'm really enjoying these like short form uh, Twitter videos. Kind of busy lately, and really quick to keep up with like what's going on on that side of the pipeline. Uh, Anecdata for pushing me to build and ship firmware with the latest PIDF version, and Adafruit for adding an IoT channel to support topic. Nice. Awesome. Thank you, Brent. Okay, Carter and Seagrover are lurking, so we'll go to Charles. Just a group hug to everybody. I haven't been here for a while, so... Well, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. And then I believe Dakota is text only. Uh, so I'll read off Dakota. Dakota says, uh, hug report to everyone for being the best example on the whole web of what a great community looks like. Uh, he said, they say, I point here a lot to other folks. All right. Thanks, Dakota. And let's go to Dan. Hi. Yeah, I'd like to thank Cam Tom Ferretti, uh, from who's working on the Sony S Presence or SPR Sense, we're not sure how to pronounce it, uh, board. And they've been doing some work on USB endpoints and mass storage and also to support their particular board. But they've done a nice job of working with us on generalizing the USB stuff that they've done. And then thanks to Summersoft and Jerry for um, discovering and then uh, fixing some issues with trying to run Ubuntu on the Raspberry Pi and not being able to build on it. And maybe I've got even got that wrong. Maybe it's more, more com. Maybe it's not just Ubuntu. Maybe it's uh, Raspbian too, but I'm not sure. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Okay, uh, Dave was in here earlier and was lurking, and now Devo is lurking but has text, so I'll read that off. Uh, Devo says, uh, thanks to everyone for their patience and help in getting some PRs and just in general. Um, I have bugged pretty much every one of you, and I appreciate all of the help and patience. Also, group hug for inviting me to the CircuitPythonistas group. Awesome. And a reminder to folks, if you want to get uh, pinged about uh, meeting updates and things like that, join the Python CircuitPythonistas group. That tends to be the only time that CircuitPythonistas gets pinged. Um, so uh, if you want to be a part of that, let us know. And we're, we'd be happy to add you. Uh, Hyrofect is uh, not making the meeting, but says uh, deep in the weeds, uh, so group hug. Uh, Jason is lurking, and Jeff Epler is at an airport, so doesn't have a mic, but says hug reports to all of you. I've missed you. 
Um, I'm sure J visiting Japan made up for it. Um, and let's go to Jerry. Yeah, hi. Um, so thanks to Somersoft for introducing me to putting Ubuntu on uh, Raspberry Pi. The fun never stops. It's a <laughs> Been, been fun and 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 Dan, that there is no there's no problem that I know of on Raspbian that that works fine. It's just it was just under Ubuntu. Hmm. And uh, and Brent, thanks for the the release of the new uh, Nina software firmware for the ESP32. Awesome, thanks, Jerry. Let's go to Katney. All right. So first and foremost, I want to thank Summersoft and Justin for getting CircuitPython.org/libraries/contributing updating daily. Uh, this is a super important tool um, that we sort of really just tossed together um, and didn't have it updating very regularly and it was required a PR and all this other stuff and it wasn't really useful um, in its uh, state before we did what we did and now it's updating and um, we're working on adding new features such as filtering by labels. Um, so thank you very much to both of them for doing most of the work. Um, to Dan Cogliano for submitting the MCP9600 circuit Python driver to go with our updated breakout. Uh, hug report to Christine for submitting a PR to the Python on microcontrollers newsletter to echo what Scott said. We have made it more difficult for ourselves by keeping it on GitHub uh, for this exact reason. So it's always excellent when people do contribute. To Carter for testing a breakout on Raspberry Pi for me while I was waiting for mine to arrive and for suggesting a couple other items to make testing on Raspberry Pi easier. And I wanna give a group hug to the Adafruit community and the Discord community moderators. We had a discussion after someone had a bad experience in a different community about how amazing this community is and how much we appreciate that. So thank you to all of you for continuing to make this community welcoming, inclusive, supportive, and encouraging environment. Yay. Awesome, thank you, Katni. Let's go to Crayola. Just a group hug from me that for this week. No you know, it's a great community to be a part of. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Crayola, for attending. Let's go to Maker Melissa. Hello. Um, just a, a hug to you, Scott, for your excellent uh, Bluetooth broadcasting demo and a uh, group hug to everyone. Thank you. All right, Mike B is lurking. So, and Toll is on dad taxi duty. So, uh, Mike B says group hug, and Toll says uh, hug report to myself, Scott, for upcoming work on the radio things, which I hope to be able to play with soon. All right, and Summersoft. Hey, hey. Hi, hi. Um, so, uh, hug to Jerry for always being a brother in arms when it comes to testing new things. Um, so he was helping test and troubleshoot uh, building CircuitPython on uh, Ubuntu 19 um, on a Raspberry Pi, um, which I need for a separate project. Um, and then he put in a PR to, uh, the problem comes with building MPY cross, um, but he put in a, a PR to fix that and I'll look at that later. So thanks again to Jerry. Um, and then thanks to Katni and Justin for the PRs and the merges on the circuitpython.org library stuff. Awesome. Thanks, Summersoft. And that is Hug Reports. Thank you to everyone who participated there. The next section is status updates. We run it in the same way. So again, uh, I think every I don't think we have any new folks who joined since then, but 
Um, we'll skip over the lurkers. Uh, otherwise, we'll go through the list again. Uh, status updates. Just take a few minutes uh, to say what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. It's a great way to just uh, be aware of what's going on within the community, but also give tips and tricks to folks who are doing something similar to something you may have done. Um, so I will start as an example. Um, we tend to do this, like people structure it last week, this week. So what you did last week and what you plan on doing this week. Um, I've been pretty bad about it, but I've actually started doing that as well. So uh, last week, oh, and I forgot to finish my notes as well. Um, last week, I added uh, active scanning and scan response support to the, the BLEIO and the BLE library on top of it. Um, in the meantime, I added Dunderbytes support, which we didn't have before. We do have an issue for it, so I'm excited to close that issue. Basically, it allows an object, a Python object to override how it gets converted to bytes. And I'm using that so that like the advertising ob advertisement objects, you just call bytes of that object, and it gives you this like advertisement data. Um, so I added that, uh, figured out how to do it. Um, I added prefix filtering to the scanning, uh, pre prefix filtering of the advertisements. Uh, so when you scan, you basically we don't create objects for everything we see. We only create objects for the things that you've told us you care about. Uh, I did two do two broadcasting demos um, on Twitter, so take a look at those, and you'll see those probably on the shows this week and on the Adafruit blog and all of that stuff. Phil's taken those and and shown everybody, which is awesome. Um, one of the things I forgot to put in this list is I, I upgraded to Catalina Tuesday night. I lost basically a day on Wednesday trying to get a homebrew build of ARM GCC working. Um, I didn't get that working, but what I figured out is that um, for those of you who are upgrading to Catalina and you try to run a CircuitPython build that says like, oh, ARM GCC is by an un unknown developer, like, do you want to delete the file? <laughs> Which is a weird option. Uh, but if you go into the security and preferences tab of the system set preferences, you could actually, it comes up with a prompt that says, do you want to allow this thing that we just blocked? And so basically you have to do that for like a dozen things that are used during the CircuitPython build. And once you do that, it works just fine. Um, I did actually update GCC, the homebrew cask, to the latest released version as well. Um, and I'm, I've started to use that. So we may want to think about upgrading our GCC version at some point too. Uh, but yeah, lots of, lots of Catalina fixes, which has been kind of silly. Um, this week, I'm going to continue on the advertising side of things. Uh, what I was experimenting with last week was like kind of one of the two things that or two purposes advertising is used for. Uh, first, like just broadcasting any sort of data is kind of what I was doing last week. And this week, I'm more focused on broadcasting data that in influences what you want to connect to or, or making connections. So either, uh, as Dan, I think, has pointed out before, it's either like, these are the services I provide, or you could also say like, hey, I'm looking to connect with something that provides this service. For example, um, if we made like a clock that sits on your bedside table and it needs something to connect to it so it can actually get the time, it can broadcast out like, hey, I'm looking for somebody who can tell me the time. Um, 
and then like an iPhone can can tell it the time. So uh, that's kind of where I'm going to be working this week is figuring out a nice way to broadcast service related information and then uh, hopefully getting into how the connection stuff works as well, which uh, had been working previously and I just got to fix it for some of the things I've changed. So that's it for me. Uh, I'm probably out or well, I'm planning on being out Wednesday during the day, but I will be around probably in the evening here on Wednesday, um, just visiting my, my parents during the day. So um, let's go to Thea. Yeah. So as mentioned earlier last week, I, um, I released a library that's a basic driver for the analog devices, AD5689, which is a really nice 16-bit DAC. Um, I'll be publishing the KiCad files for that so that if you, uh, if you want to break out board for it, you can get one of those. Um, I've also been poking at some old issues in CircuitPython and seeing if they're still relevant. Um, I think I managed to get one closed that wasn't relevant anymore, which is good. Yay. Um, yeah. Uh, this week, I'm working on a pull request to add board support for the URAC module, which is the reason why I'm, I wrote a driver for this analog devices uh, DAC, is that kind of trying to release libraries for each individual component that I'm using in my project so that mm -hmm. um, I can reuse it and other people can use it. So, yeah. Yay. Thank you for doing that. That's it for me. Sweet. Thanks, Thea. All right. Let's go to Brent. Hello. Uh, this past week, I wrapped up you know, firmware um, 1.40. Uh, it has a few things, like the Wi-Fi SSL client fixed. Uh, well, it's not fixed, but there are a lot of issues that were in there and kind of solved. Um, I added the ability to authenticate with the server client slash vpair. Uh, I added a bunch of other bug fixes, so I updated it to the latest ESP IDF firmware, which is a good thing to upgrade to. We have a guide on how to do it. Um, there was um, a security flaw with the uh, ESP82 services not too long ago, so you should be updating um, ESP IDF version uh, every now and then, and keeping it on like 1.3 isn't too useful. You might want to update it um, in case there's another issue in the future with ESP32s. Um, and I built out an AWS IoT library last week. Um, it requires a new version of Nina firmware, so that's another incentive to upgrade. And this week I'm working on an AWS IoT guide to use the complicated um, library, which isn't that complicated, but without a guide, it's. And that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. Ooh, also notable is. Um, Amazon has a guide within their AWS docs on using a Raspberry Pi to send data to AWS IoT, and it uses Blinkert hmm. like in their documentation. So keep up the good work on Blinkert. Awesome. Can you post a link to that, too? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you, Brent. Great job on the IoT side. OK, Carter and T. Grover are lurking, so let's go to Charles. Well. Uh... My newest thing that I'm playing around with is uh, trying to set up some demos that I can do with Blinka, so I can go to some of my uh, some of my younger uh, uh, groups groups down in Florida to uh, be able to de uh, to teach them a little bit about Circuit Python and see if I can get them get them interested because we have a couple of STEM groups down there that. Hmm. Are that I'm trying to promote uh, CircuitPython with. So wish me luck on that one. 
thank you very uh, thank you very much as as a general group. Great. Just following along with all these things has helped me a lot. Great, greatly. Awesome. That's good to hear, Charles. And let us know how the STEM group stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Uh, Dakota is text only. I'll read it off. Uh, <laughs> Dakota says, uh, just not keeping ahead of the chaos. I download one version and start updating archives and devices. And before I finish, updates. Which is a good thing. I just need to work faster. <laughs> yeah, we try to move fast. Um, thanks, Dakota. And let's go to Dan. Uh, so the, a couple of minor, relatively minor things. I spent um, on uh, Lady Ada's request, I added um, something uh, to microprocessor the CPU that reads the, the incoming voltage to the chip like the 3.3 volts, and to see and measures it against an internal reference to see if it really is 3.3 volts, or it tells you what it is. And you can that this way you can detect when the battery has started sagging so low that the onboard regulator is not able to maintain 3.3 volts anymore. Hmm. So uh, this is sort of a thing that we'll be using in the future to be able to detect um, the battery is getting too low. Um, when we people start doing uh, low power operation, which we hope to support better in the future. Um, then another thing, the last week we talked about whether we should get rid of the ports uh, in the source tree, CircuitPython source tree that we don't actually build. And we decided to go ahead and do that. So I have a PR in for that. I'm going back to bonding again. And uh, Scott is working on a big uh, BLE uh, pull request that he, he talked about. So I'm anticipating uh, reviewing that and uh, admiring it in the future. OK. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I hope you admire it. I hope it's not terrible. Um, OK, Devo says, uh, we'll be checking out the contributing page for things I can help with. Awesome. And Hyrefect can't make the meeting, but says, uh, worked on UART, which has gotten a little complicated. Uh, took a break to do DAC real quick, which is now finished. Uh, working on UART more this week. Hope to finish quickly and clean up and board support once that's done. Thanks, Hire Effect. Uh, Jason P is lurking, and Jeff Epler is at an airport. So it says, uh, last three weeks was travel in Japan. This week is getting over jet lag and looking for some easy issues. Um, so let's go on to Jerry. Uh, yeah, let's see. So I spent a bunch of time you know, playing with the, the new Nina firmware, just uh, trying it on all the various boards and uh, ran it in no problems. So nice work on that, Brent. And um, let's see, um, sort of discovered accidentally, uh, again, in, in a thing that that CircuitPython now builds just fine, you know, following Dan's guide on the Raspberry Pi under Raspbian Buster. So that, that's really mm -hmm. nice. Um, um, the uh, yeah, a couple little 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 things you run into, but I think people will figure them out real quick. But if there's any questions, uh, I can talk anybody through it. And um, but it's just nice to see, and especially on a Raspberry, Raspberry Pi four, it actually is usable. <laughs> hmm. um, and then following the lead by by SummerSoft, I tried around playing with the Ubuntu on a Raspberry Pi uh, just for fun, 
and uh, wanted to see if we could build CircuitPython. And we ran into a little problem with the architecture identification, um, but I think found a workaround for it. And I put in a PR that we can talk about. Again, may or may not be overly useful since I think very few people would actually go this route, since especially now that you can build under Espion. Um, but there is this cool factor running Ubuntu on the Pi, so it's worth playing with. Um, I did upgrade uh, sort of my backup computer, my MacBook Air to mm -hmm. Catalina. Um, I'm holding off on my desktop. Um, and uh, did manage to get it to finally build uh, CircuitPython. Yeah, now it's working fine. And uh, did a little bit of testing. Uh, Blinka seems to work OK. And, and I was able to talk to my FT232H on, on it. So those things do seem to be working OK. Uh, I did a quick test to the Arduino IDE for anyone. And I didn't have any problems. I've seen some other people complaining, but it seemed to be working for me. But I didn't, didn't get very far with it. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then this week I'm going to be out of town. Well, the other week I got <laughs> briefly recalled from retirement. But uh, hmm. and, um, but in the meantime, one of the things I wanted to try and try and get into doing a little bit of helping in the core. Um, I should be doing <laughs> a lot more of that. And uh, one of the one of the um, issues that's been out there for a long time was a request from um, C. Grover to implement GM time. It hmm. looked like something I can maybe handle. So uh, I thought I'd dig into it and uh, see, see what I can come up with on that one. Nice. That'd be awesome. Especially now that we have the, uh, the, you know, the NTP and all that stuff going, there is, it, there is a good potential for some confusion between GMT and local time. Right, right, right. Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, Katni. All right. So um, we have gone back to finish up what started as a PyPI project where we went through all the libraries and pushed them all to PyPI. It's something we do immediately now. So all new libraries since that project was started are all on PyPI and all the guides have information on how to use the that particular item with Raspberry Pi and Blinka. Um, however, uh, we had to go back and update all the guides for every library that existed at the time. And that project sort of stalled. So all the libraries were put on PyPI, but the guides were not updated. So it's about half the guides at this point have been updated. So we have gone back to that. And so I last week updated the Trellis guide, the TMP006, ADXL345, MAX31856 um, with CircuitPython and Python usage. Um, there are two new pages on the Circuit Playground Bluefruit guide that are Bluetooth examples. Um, the Using the plotter in the Adafruit BLE Connect app and using the color picker. Um, blogged a couple of those updates deprecated multiple guides. Um, basically, we have old guides that are using Python libraries that we now have CircuitPython libraries for. And as we update the guides with Blinka usage, we deprecate the old guides. Um, I updated the PyPI project spreadsheet, which was massive and not up to date and is now. So that's excellent. Now we have a visual on what's left. Um, we're working through a particular set that we'd already identified um, a long time ago. And once we're through that set, we'll go back to the spreadsheet and see what else we want to do. Um, I worked with Justin and Summersoft to get circuitpython.org slash library slash contributing updating daily and requested um, that label data be added to the JSON file that the page is built from so that we can um, add a UI element to 
filter by label, um, which means going through and actually labeling, labeling all the library issues, which is something that needs to start and needs to continue. So um, that's going to be a bit of a project, but the plan is to be able to, if nothing else, identify bugs versus enhancements um, so that we know what we want to focus on and what we can worry about at a later time. Helped with getting the MCP 9600 library PR going. That's been merged um, after it was finally tested on the new breakout. Uh, I set up a Raspberry Pi for testing. I had one um, elsewhere, but not here. And so now I have a Raspberry Pi so I can actually test all this stuff that I'm updating. Um, so we know it actually works and tested uh, Pixie LEDs on Raspberry Pi using UART. Um, they are utterly blinding if you've never seen them before. <laughs> They're three watts a piece and require giant power cables. Um, and uh, you can put them on super dim with paper over them and they're still really blinding. So this week uh, I need to test the other two boards that I, or the other two guides that I updated on Raspberry Pi because they were never actually tested. Hopefully they work because the guide already says they do. Um, <laughs> and then testing all the boards moving forward. I need to finish updating the Pixie guide. I need to blog all the currently complete guides, which is a pretty lengthy list. Um, I need to get the MCP9600 driver added to the bundle and I need to go through the code and I previously wrote a driver for it that has more features and we want to add the other features to the current driver. Um, and then basically continue updating guides with um, CircuitPython, Blinka, Linux usage, uh, which we keep referring to as Raspberry Python. And hmm. that is what I have been up to. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katni. All right, let's go to Crayola. So last week vanished for me without getting to work on most of uh, the things I wanted to work on and some of the holiday weekend ate uh, my time up. However, I did get to start working on or continuing to work on the pixel buff subclassing, but I ran into a possible blocker, and that is that calling a Python subclass method from a native subscript appears not to work. Um, just because you don't get the right self context, um, mm -hmm. and although regular properties or native properties work correctly. So I'm gonna continue digging through the source of CircuitPython to figure out how to solve that if there's even a way. Hmm. Um, and then this week, I'm hoping to actually work on all the things I said I was going to work on last week, but didn't, uh, which includes um, the pixel buff iterable support, native fill, and uh, making subclasses work if I can, and then slice step support, which I'm currently working on and continuously crashing because I keep doing memory overwrites. Oops. Um, <laughs> and uh, then some more compatibility testing. Awesome, thanks. And if you have questions about the iterable side, I've been doing some of that. So cool. I do want to add it to the weed sections for later. Okay, perfect. Hopefully I can answer them without looking stuff up. All right, let's go to Maker Melissa. Hello. Hello. Okay, so last week I created uh, three examples for using the RGB display with the pillow and C Python. Uh, on the Raspberry Pi, and I work on updating guides to add pages for running displays with the RGB display and CircuitPython, and then I fixed an issue with the RA8875 on the Raspberry Pi. Uh, this week I'm going to finish up the RA8875 
guide with C Python pages. I want to add the two, the new 240 by 135 display example to RGB display, which should be easy. Um, I'm gonna start working on uh, the e-ink guides and changing over so they're using display.io and also update the e-ink Python pages so they work similar to what I did with the TFT pages. Awesome. Queen of displays. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Melissa. Mike is lurking. Uh, Ntola is dad taxi. So uh, Nicholas says, uh, not CircuitPython related directly, uh, but a large amount of fiddly work on Mu to fix a problem with installing slash using third-party PyPI modules in Python 3 mode. I've had to transition Mu's Python 3 mode to working entirely in virtual environments. This has a knock-on effect with the IPython-based console. It needs to run in such a way that the packages installed in the virtual environment are available within the REPL, which is easier said than done, and result in a new alpha very soon once all the wrinkles are ironed out. Uh, those new users out there, keep an eye out and uh, help Nicholas out by testing the new alpha when it appears. All right, uh, let's go to Summersoft. Hello again. Um, so last week uh, for circuitpython.org via Adabot, um, I added the um, assigned labels for each issue um, that's listed as open. Um, as Katni alluded to, uh, it'll allow um, for filtering on the page uh, that Justin will be working on. And then um, as I cleaned my slate of, of projects, um, <laughs> looking for something to do, I decided, well, it's been a couple months since I worked on my Rosie Pie uh, project. So I jumped back into that. Um, I finally got the Ansible playbooks um, finished. So it'll, you know, at least in the, some point in the future, maintain a, a constant state um and in doing so uh, i got to actually start to work on rosie pie in its native environment on the raspberry pi mm -hmm. and i discovered that at least in part my initial structure was not going to work so i started a new structure um and then i was this actually happened yesterday um or last night i installed finally because it's working um I installed the GitHub app onto my fork of CircuitPython and ran a test uh, pull request. Good news is, is it worked. Um, so the, the Raspberry Pi processed all of the requests, um, but I found something out that it actually processed every single GitHub action. Um, so there were 85 or so requests into my mm -hmm. Raspberry Pi, which is fine. It just it surprised me and threw me off. Um, so, and then... I also started a status, a status landing page um, since it is essentially running a web server. Um, mm. It's local net only for now, um, but it'll help with checking on the status of, of Rosie Pi and all those parts without having to SSH into, into the Raspberry Pi. Mm -hmm. um, so next week, uh, I'll continue working on Rosie Pi. I've got to fight through some current PIP and Python path shenanigans. Um, it depends on the sh mod uh, library and it's giving me fits um i'm gonna start working on properly handling all the github app requests um, and then i ran this this morning um but i'm going to investigate incorporating a uh, dcash for 
building the firmware. Basically, it takes about nine minutes to build the firmware on a 3B plus running Ubuntu server disco. Mm-hmm. So that's granted it's still under the I think our our builds are at, what around 70 minutes. No, it's less than that. It's like 20 minutes. It used to be 70 minutes. That's um, all in parallel, though. Right. So, but nine minutes, I, I'm going to see if I can get that down. Um, okay. And then basically whatever else comes up or is suggested and or I stumble upon will be uh, for next week or this week. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of really good progress. And as Tia says, uh, she's a good resource for you, too. I appreciate that. And I highly suggest to never try and build your own CI framework. <laughs> I you learn that. a lot. You learn a lot, but it's really painful. Yeah, I totally believe that. Well, thank you for going all that pain uh, for CircuitPython. We really appreciate it. And with that, that's uh, status updates. So we're in our final section, which is called In the Weeds. Uh, in the Weeds is a chance for folks to just ask any questions or bring up any topics that they'd like to discuss that doesn't kind of fit within the two or three minutes we have as we do those round robins. Um, so I will kick it over to Katni for the first one. Thank you. So I have a friend, Greg, who goes by Chicken Finga on Discord, um, who's looking for advice on Bluetooth beacons with regards to needing to find a cheap beacon that he can flash, but he's struggling to find any information about flashing any of them. Um, hmm. So it's a multi-part question. Has anyone successfully flashed a Bluetooth beacon? If so, which one? And either way, does anyone understand flashing random chips well enough to help him through flashing a beacon without documentation on the beacon to help? Uh, he's put together a gallery and description of what he's trying to do, and he's happy to buy whatever's necessary um, and if there's a particular chip that someone would be able to help with, he's perfectly happy to go with that specific chip. Um, there, he's purchased a number of them. I'm going to link this real quick. Um, to try, there's a couple NRF chips, um, that sort of thing. He is okay with getting a, a, a JTAG um debugger that sort of thing but basically there's there's no there's no guides is is the issue there's mm-hmm. no, nobody has put together a blog post or uh you know anything that says hey here's this particular beacon that i've flashed he wants to be able to just make it send out you know a particular message um with a particular id and mm-hmm. is new to a lot of this so if anyone can help with that, um, he posted in, I want to say help with projects uh, yesterday about it and a couple people responded, um, but I didn't get the impression that the, I didn't get the impression that an actual solution was ever um, achieved. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether anybody knows anything about this or I figured you guys might and that's why I offered to bring it up. So I looked at his picture. Mm-hmm. So the beacon he has is an NRF52832, and the JLink tags, JLink pads are exposed. Yeah. But it's a general purpose chip. I mean, he could write, he could use the, our Arduino library and write a beacon program. Okay. But he's, it's, 
it's like it's a job to do that. It's probably more work doing the software than getting the hardware flashing to work. Okay. Um, I think that's probably fine. Um, would it be able to be done in C? Yeah. Okay. So he could just take an existing... I mean, he could use the... Right, he has to choose a programming environment, and he has to choose... You know, there are sample beacon programs available from Nordic, mm -hmm. or you could write a beacon program using the Bluefruit Arduino library. Okay. There's no bootloader on this thing, so uh, it might be easier for him to do something else. But it's a, it's like the job is going to be learning the environment. Right, which I, I think is the software environment. Yeah, is understood on his part. Um, okay, I think he's I think he's hyper focused on the hardware side of things because that part is the part that's newer to him. So I think he's hyper focused on that being the difficult part. Um, I think it would make more sense. It would make his life easier if he started with say an RNR fifty two eight thirty two board from us or something mm -hmm. which has the requisite connectors and the requisite. United bootloader and everything, and then got that to work as a beacon, and then started trying some other ones. I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, just it but would it, just be easier. Yeah, but it sounds like it. It should be. It 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 needs to be like battery powered and. Yes, it needs to. I mean, it has small. to have. Yeah, it has to be a beacon, like like a like the existing beacons. Are. He eventually wants to design his own board, but that is like way down the road. Um, right. So it just needs to be small and battery powered. Yes. Yeah. And, and since those and are, I think there are the circuitry for it, it's kind of like. Yeah. Um, but like no circuitry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This um, a this AB one says it's upgradable over the air. Oh, which means it might actually so there's the nordic has the app nrf connect mm -hmm. and if you just look for the device and if it's upgradable over the air it probably has the dfu nordic service okay which the nrf connect app will support out of the box for you oh, but he'll okay. need to sign the executable and stuff right okay it does security stuff so you can't it also might be that these ones that he has um are locked mm -hmm. and so uh he has to i mean you you can erase the chip completely and then overwrite them but i think he might exper it might be easier to like just sort of experiment with it with a development kit kind of board okay either one of our boards or the nordic development board the 832 development board or something like that and it doesn't the 832 is almost uh it's like an overkill for a beacon. Right. And that was why it was kind of, there's a, something 22, I think, is was on another couple of the chips that he had, but it was still a Nordic. Um, NRF 51A22, which is yeah. older and smaller, but it doesn't, it hardly needs to do anything to do a beacon, so. But there's right. also the NRF 52810. Okay. Which is newer, but smaller. And I think it's basically what all the new tiles have. Oh, okay. Um, is the fifty-two eight ten? Yeah, I'm not sure you can buy that one. I mean, they made it for tile, but... oh, right? Okay. But the a the AB sensor N01 says that's what it has. Um, 
which is one of the ones they list. Okay. Um, so right. if I could, I would go towards that one rather than the. Yeah. Okay. The fifty-one. Uh, but yeah, I would I would use the NRF Connect app, and you should see it. And their site also said the AB sensor site also says they have like apps that you just use to configure it as well. Okay. Um, so the the NRF Connect app is super helpful for just like this is a known thing that can tell you some information about what's going on. Right. Right. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so, so so that's like a general purpose cheap beacon. Is what you're saying, Scott? Like yeah, it, that, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, if his goal is I need beacons as opposed to I I want I have like I want to figure out how to take this random piece of hardware and make and change its beaconness. Well, he's he's putting it into a system that he designed, so I think he has to change some things. Right. Um, uh -huh. But I think this will all help. Um, so what I'll do is I'll point him here. Um, once you know, once we've finished the meeting, and then um, I will have him come to you guys with any questions that he figures out beyond that um, after getting all this information. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the biggest hole in our Bluetooth story right now is just the power stuff. Right. Like we're just not doing any sort of power management at this point. Um, although I, we've talked more and more about doing that sooner rather than later. Right. So could be interesting okay well that was what i had thank you yeah and maybe lamar would actually want to make a beacon yeah it's funny actually because he he <laughs> after explaining to me everything that he wanted he was like it'd be a pretty sick adafruit product you just want to <laughs> make one yeah i don't think i i don't think the design would it's actually the it's the power right like we could we could make basically make like a gemma that would be a beacon. Mm -hmm. It's just like making sure that it can last on a small amount of battery. Right, for a lengthy period like, of time. Like a CR3032 30, or whatever, right. versus and, all these small LiPos. And and if he's making a product, mm -hmm. I mean, it be type certified because it's a transmitter. Right. Right. So. I am 98% uh, certain he's aware of all of that. OK. I say 98 just because I haven't heard him say it, but he's been on top of <laughs> everything else. So I think he's probably on top of that as well. Right. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I'm yeah, sure I'd, you will hear I'd from him curious. again soon. Sounds good. I'm curious to see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I'm definitely like very fascinated just from the Beacon advertising side. It, there's a lot I think we can do with it, just mm -hmm. simply with that. Um, so yeah, that'll be cool. He probably will want, if he's doing his custom broadcast stuff, he's going to need to do Bluetooth SIG, join the Bluetooth SIG. And a lot of the beacons, um, broadcast under manufacturing data and mm -hmm. they have a manufacturer ID that goes with it. Um, so if he's doing his custom, a custom beacon, then he probably needs a company ID. Okay. Uh, from the Bluetooth SIG, like. He could be an iBeacon because Apple has said, like, it, you can use our manufacturer or company ID if you have this structure for iBeacons. Oh, OK. Um, that sort of thing. And I think Google had, like, an open one as well. 
but that's I've like bugged a little more about that for ourselves, where we'll have a a Adafruit company ID so that we can, you know, do the color proximity demo I did by using that as our company ID and stuff. Right. Um, so there's there's that as well that may may come up uh, into it if he's doing custom broadcast stuff. Yep. All right. Cool. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Katni. And uh, let's go to Crayola. So this is where the uh, subscript stuff comes up. Um, so I guess um, have. Scott, have you played around, or Dan, have either of you played around with trying to call um, non-native methods from a from the subscript implementations anywhere in a cl uh, native class? No. Okay, because it appears that I, when I get look at, no matter what, self in appears to be the native no, um, object and not the calling class. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know where in the stack or what to do to um, be able to, for, uh, this is specifically to implement auto-write. So auto-write after we um, do an assignment to the subscript or to right. the slice, I need to go and show the changes. Right. Um, and either I need to find a way to subclass subscript, which appears not to be straightforward because of the way it's implemented in CircuitPython, hmm. or I need to figure out why subscripts are not calling with the object context for, as opposed to the native right. context. Right. I imagine that would be the more fruitful goal is to get subscript being past the actual like object. Hmm. Okay, so I might actually have to make a change to the core to do that. Yeah, that would be my guess. And I it's either in like it's usually like pi runtime or pi yeah, it was something like that. Let me see if I still have a back Or VM. Yeah, so MP object subscur is probably what I'd have to hit because it uh, the backtrace um, from MP execute bytecode then goes to MP object subscur, then instant subscur, then MP object subscur, then my object gets hit. Yeah, it's weird that it's figuring out the the native thing automatically. Yeah, um, of course, figuring out if it knows the eight native in there or if it knows the parent class is not clear. Um, so I guess I will just have to spend some time in the debugger over there in that code. Is it in obstype? Uh, it hits obstype as part of that, but it's in obj.c line 493. Do you want to paste the section of the backtrace? Uh... I'm just looking at instance subscript. Oh, it's not looking like there's usually a place where it's like, oh, is this a native method? Does it or a native type? Does it have the dot subscript or whatever? Yes, I wonder if that happens in um, object.c. It might. Um, I'm happy to dig in to it with you. I don't think we need to talk about that. Yeah, I don't think we need to take too much time on that. We can do it after or something, or when some of us have time. I, and... I, it, is, it is interesting to me simply because like that's kind of the thing I would expect to happen always if we're calling a native method. Like When I was doing all of the subclassing of like group, I always have to make sure that I get the native struct rather than the... Yeah, so I, I kind of wonder how many other places where it, it's been missed like that, because... 
because um, it would be good to have everything just easily subclassable because it makes it so much more useful. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's so definitely something worth working on, but yeah. probably not soon. <laughs> right, and then making things iterable was the other in the weeds thing I wanted to talk about quickly, just if you had any pointers or example that I could look at. Yeah, I would. That's more straightforward. Just look in like um, obstring. Um, okay. Basically, the type, the native types have dot iter and they have dot next. So like dot next is how you make an object that's an iterable, and then the dot iter is what how you create the object that iterates over the thing that you are. Okay, so it should be pretty um, straightforward then. Yeah, and those those like kind of directly correlate to the dunder and iter and right. dunder next of C Python. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so they're not they're not too weird. Like I I added the like there's a basic iterator that if you if the native object already supports like length and attribute access, like it just automatically will create an iterate iterator for you. Nice. That sort of thing. So you might be able to leverage that as well. Yeah, the um when I'm done neopixel.py should be uh, less than 100, or just over 100 lines. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Get a lot of our frozen space back. Yeah, exactly. And, For the boards speed. that support it. Yep. Oh, the speed is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people um, are going to flip out, I think. And they're going to be like, how do I slow it down? <laughs> Time <laughs> My animations sleep. are going too fast now. Time to sleep. Yep. Yeah, good problem to have. It is. Um, yeah, I, I think I mentioned it in my update that uh, Dan had suggested I also implement fill because it's so frequently used. Right, right. Um, and I think I have the stepwise sub um, slices working. Awesome. Well, great work on that. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun when it's ready. Um, I think I'll probably ask for some help from people uh, to test or at least to find things for me to test it with because I know there's a lot of older code that is out there that may not be compatible. Right. And yeah. I'd like to test it. Yeah, we can always, like, we, we can get it in the alpha. It's okay if, <laughs> if it's only in the alpha. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's pretty close to alpha. Um, the one I haven't looked at in a bit is the PyPixel buff. Um, mm -hmm. I'm concerned about its size, but now that it's subclassable, it might be possible. It should be smaller again as well. So. Cool. cool. So that's all I've got. Awesome. Thanks, Crayola. And with that, let's wrap up. Uh, this has been the CircuitPython Weekly for October 14th, 2019. Thank you all for making it to this meeting. Uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, first, thanks for listening. And second, if you want to make it live, uh, the meeting happens at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord channel. You can join that channel and chat with us all week by going to the URL ada.f adafru.it slash discord. Uh, that'll drop you in and come say hi in the CircuitPython text channel. Uh, and this has been recorded, so it will go on the YouTube uh, Adafruit YouTube, YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Adafruit. Uh, it will also be available through uh, podcast feed, so check that out. It just podcast takes the audio out of the video and makes it available if you want to listen to it in your car or whatever. Um, and I think that's it. Um, thank you to everyone who attended and all of those folks who are contributing to CircuitPython in any way, shape, or form. 
We all appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Good week, everybody.